Welcome to Coach My Wellness, a weekly show dedicated to bringing you information about healthy habits and behaviors just for the health of it. Here's your hosts, Joanne and Tammy. Welcome to Coach My Wellness, featuring your hosts today, Joanne Orshan and Tammy St. Clair. We are just for the health of it. Tammy, I had an incredibly fascinating conversation with one of my clients this week. And we were just talking about their goals and what they would like to achieve throughout the coaching sessions that we have. And one thing kept coming up, and it made me think about this, and I'd like for us to talk about this today and hear how you feel about this as well. My client kept saying to me, well, I know I have to do this and I know I should do that and I have to do this. And I was like, wait a second, how about if we change the dialogue in your head and is there a difference? Does something resonate with you when we say, I choose to do it instead of I have to do it? Sure. Somebody tells you what to do. Would it be more beneficial for you For someone to tell you what to do or for you to say, ah, this is what I know that I need to do. Well, I think one puts you in a powerful position. The other one puts you in a weaker position because if you're making the choice, then you also then have sort of the authority or the ability. It's like, oh, I'm choosing to do this. So it adds to your stick with itness, if that's what you want to call it versus when we say, oh, well, I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do this. And because then it's like somebody's telling me what to do. And I think that's kind of with everybody, the difference between the have to, got to versus choose to. You know, when I'm talking to some of my clients, I'll tell them, and I use this analogy, it's kind of like being the driver in the car versus the passenger. So when they're over a decision, they're not under compulsion. And so they can drive the car wherever they want to go versus being driven there by someone else. Yeah. I I think back to a client of mine that I had a couple of years ago. And it was during Halloween time, and I remember him coming in, and we had a group session at the moment, and he was talking about, and he was very proud of the fact of what I'm about to tell you, that he was in a weight management group that I was coaching. And Halloween came, and he wound up taking this large basket and throwing tons of candy in it and putting it on his coffee table in his living room. And his 10-year-old son, who knew that he was really watching what he was eating and his weight, said to him, Dad, why do you have all of this candy here when you are trying to lose weight? And the dad said, well, it's there because I just want to prove to myself that I don't need to have it or I can't have it. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, all right, let's take your words and let's think about this. What would the difference have been had you said to your son, Well, I have it there. I know people enjoy it, but I just choose not to have it. Right. Because it empowers you then. Choosing empowers you. Otherwise, you're disempowered. And again, just doing what you're told. And we grow up and we like to make our own choices from the time we're like two or three or four. Let me make my own choices. And so... 
making a choice is an empowering position. I think it's all a matter of words. What you put into your brain is what sticks in your brain. Mm -hmm. So uh, something, an analogy, which is really quite simple, is if you are holding a uh, yellow packet of artificial sweetener or a pink packet of artificial sweetener in your left hand, and in your right hand you had a packet of sugar, real sugar in your right hand, the brain cannot tell the difference between what's artificial and what's real. However, mm -hmm. what the signals in the brain trans translate to is that when you ingest sweet, your body starts calling for sweet. Mm -hmm. So the brain doesn't know the difference between the artificial and the real. Just like if you were to put negative thoughts into your brain, I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. I shouldn't do that. I was bad. You know, using all of those words right. instead of I chose not to. And I might have struggled with this, but I'm empowering myself to do better with da 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 da. What you put into your brain is what sticks in your brain. And if we put negative thoughts in there, negative thoughts are still negative reinforcement. It's still right. reinforcement. Do we want to put the negative or do we want to put the positive in? And that comes also back to some other things that we've discussed in other podcasts has been, you know, the fake it till you make it, even though you right. might not believe it. How do you empower yourself and empower your brain so that you can make better choices for yourself and change the dialogue that you have with yourself? Well, I think that people are so conditioned to automatically go to the negative. And we have talked about how our brain just automatically goes that that way because it's a survival mechanism and it's you know we learn by pain and oh don't do that that's the you know the saber-toothed tiger is coming after you and having instead the positive things it that takes effort for us to do so if we have say tasks or things like that that we don't really like to do but we know we have to for someone to to actually phrase that in a positive way that takes time that takes thought that takes effort so it's just either easier to say oh i got to do that oh, oh. instead of saying you know what i'm choosing to do x and as a result, I'm going to get Y. So I'm choosing to do the dishes so that I can have a clean kitchen. You know, you know, like we don't always think through the whole process. Look, stress is stress. And whatever we put on ourselves is what we experience. And it's thinking things through as far as even change. If there's one thing you could change right now, what what would it be? And especially if someone is feeling overwhelmed, it will be, well, I could change that now. I'm not sure that I want to change that right now. I don't know if I could. It's really actually the three Ds. It's I don't know how to change or mm -hmm. I don't know what to do to change. Or I've been defeated because I've tried to change so many times. And then, of course, being demoralized because what you've tried to do in the past hasn't succeeded. Right. So how can we twist those words around and think about, well, if there's one thing that I could change right now, my opinion, that would really be change the dialogue that you have with yourself so that right. you can undo the overwhelm and get focused on what your goal might be to help you move forward. And it's always, are you moving closer to your goals or further away from your goals? And that's the thought process that needs to be forefront 
so that you go through life with very definitive decisions instead of kind of winging it and just doing. Right. And, and I believe that so many times, though, like you said, we don't know how to do that. We have lived a life where so many things have been dictated to us about what our life should be. And I'm putting air quotes around that for the people on the radio, what our life ought to be, what choices we should be making versus what do we really want. And when we start getting to a point where we are being true to ourselves and true to who we are, it makes it much easier to make different choices. So when we are able to say and acknowledge, I don't really like doing that, but I'm choosing to do that because I want that outcome. I don't really like, it's sort of like when you, you know, put your dog in the, in the bath to give them a bath. They don't really like doing that, but you put them there because you want them to be clean and they're not choosing it. You're choosing it for them so that they're able to, you're a snuggle with them on the couch or on the bed, whatever, you know, it's sort of like how you place it in your mind. Look, there are so many things that can be confusing things that we don't think about. Um, even when I have started a new client on a weight management plan and they're choosing for themselves what they want to do as far as what kind of meal plan they'd like to have or how much movement they'd like to incorporate into their lives. It's not about, well, you know, I really should work out three, four, or five days a week. I'm not really sure, but I know I have to do it. And it just sounds like drudgery. Mm -hmm. And of course, the other side of that is, guess what? I looked at my calendar and I'm dedicating an hour to myself three days a week in my lifestyle of self-care. And guess what? I get to be able to exercise and move my body because that's empowering me to improve my health. Right. And I think when we look at it like that, I get to making that the phrase I get to, because there are so many people who don't get to, right? They, they never take control of their health. So then they end up very sick or they've had heart attacks or they've had strokes or they've had all of these things. So they don't get to anymore. So when we can look at it as, oh, I get to go ride my bike or I get to go for a walk. It's an entirely different permission structure than I have to. I have to go ride my bike today. That doesn't sound like fun at all. And then that's why an action or goal plan is so pivotal for somebody who is truly looking to change their lives. And it may sound pretty boring to some, but the bottom line is this. A lack of clarity can be one of the main reasons that many people out there don't accomplish their goals because they don't have an action plan. So one of the things that we try and work on is creating an action plan because it really helps to unravel what some of the 
questions might be, some of the motivation might be, and this way you get super clear and it's easier to get started on the actions and track your progress and know what feels great and celebrate your successes, which of course then motivates you to keep on going. So it's all about the mindset and the attitude and getting rid of some of that old language, those old habits, and truly looking forward to move forward in your health and wellness journey. But again, Tammy, I've heard this so often from people. Well, my doctor told me that I need to do this and I really don't want to do that. Nothing's ever worked before, but I'm going to like give it the go around again. And that comes back to one of those three D's about being defeated in the past and being demoralized by the lack of success, which sets you up for feeling as though you've failed. And how do we unravel that and work with that? And as coaches, that's what you and I really work on with our clients. It's not all about weight loss. It's going back to the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. How you think about things, where you are in your life. How do we change the dialogue that you have with yourself no -hmm. matter where you are at so that, again, you're moving closer to your goals instead of further away from your goals. But what if you don't, you know, if you've never set out what your goals are, how do you know where you're going? Right. Well, I mean, what do you do when you have a a client who says that, oh, my doctor said I have to do this. So sometimes what I'll ask them is, okay, so if we think about this in a different way and your doctor wants you to lose weight or get healthy, right, for your health, that's going to translate into other things. So what are the things that are missing in your life or what are the things you want more of so that being in better health, being able to move easier, being able to make better choices, what are those things that you want more of so that you can make that choice to have that? And so sometimes people, you know, oh, I want to be able to tie my shoes easier or I want to be able to go play with my grandkids or I want to be able to walk for a little while. Sometimes that's the the thing that will get, you know, people started. Well, look, I mean, I think it's breaking it down and identifying it and figuring out a SMART goal, which is what we've talked about so many times. You know, it's really interesting how as we're doing these podcasts, we keep going back to things that we've already talked about because they really are fluid and those keep changing. And, you know, when you're dealing with big goals or you're feeling overwhelmed or you can't figure out what it is that you want to do, it really goes back to breaking it down, talking it through, working with a coach to help you identify and scale what those particular things are. Right. And and I think what will surface in some of these things is the needs that we have that are being on, that are going unmet, that we're satisfying with other stuff. So if my goal is to lose 5% of my body weight by Thanksgiving, say like in, in your example, and now I start down that road. If I have to be aware of when am I eating? That's not in my plan and assess, oh, what else is going on here? So it it will bring, as you become more aware, it will bring about an awareness of 
you know, what's missing or what do I want more of? So oftentimes, you know, with my clients, people will have weight loss surgery and they think, oh, that's it. I'm going to meet the man of my dreams and we're going to ride off into the sunset and it's going to be so wonderful. Or I'm going to get the best job. And the crappy one that I have right now is I'm going to get rid of it and I'm going to get hired someplace else or start my own business. And it's, it's not always that way. And so, but when we can tap into those things, it gives us an ability to, to explore and then keep that in mind so that when we get there, we, we have become more aware of ourselves and then we can move into the next step or the next phase of our life. Well, that that's for sure. And one of the things that I know we also do is simplify. So in thinking about weight loss, we'll go back to that for a moment, that if somebody has a fair amount of weight to lose, it can be in that state of overwhelm, which mm-hmm. puts people, stops them dead in their tracks and, oh, I have to do this and I want to do that. And again, I don't know what to do. But if we can break that down, if we know that it's 3,500 calories, that's a deficit to lose a pound. And even though you and I, I know don't, get into uh, calories, it's more about lifestyle and low glycemic impact where the calories take care of themselves. But if we break it down and simplify that, just think about this out there, if you're somebody who wants to shed weight, that if it's 3,500 calories to lose a pound and you break that down among seven days a week, that would be a deficit based on what you do um, on a general day is to reduce your caloric intake by 500 calories. Exactly. That's doable. And see, that's where people get caught in the, I'm not celebrating one pound. What's one pound? Or a half pound. Or a half pound. Or a half pound. I'll celebrate when I get to 50. Well, you might not get to 50 for a whole year and you need the encouragement along the way. So you celebrate everything that you're doing along the way because it shows, it shows progress. You know, you often say something that's I always like, and it's, it's progress, not perfection, because none of us are perfect. You're not God. I'm not God. You know, so there is no perfection, no matter how much we think we are the perfect specimen of whatever, we have to just make progress. So if you can get rid of 500 calories in a day, like, how can you, how can I do that? If my goal is to lose a pound in a week, how can I get rid of 500 calories a day? And it, I can guarantee you it's easier to get rid of 500 calories a day by not putting it into your mouth than it is by trying to exercise it off. You can never out-exercise your fork. However, if you think about the things you do every day, coming up with, oh, you know, I have that dish of candy on my desk or by so-and-so's desk. And maybe I'll still go by to chat, but I'm not going to stick my hand in the candy dish. You'd be surprised at how just that little bit of change, or instead of having three cups of coffee with cream and sugar in, I'll have one cup of coffee. Those little things add up over time. Absolutely. One of my clients, we were talking yesterday, and she's been real focused. She knows that she is in a health state where she really um, 
needs to, not should, needs to uh, make a change just for her overall health and well-being. Uh, someone, she's someone who was just diagnosed as pre-diabetic. She was given a stern comment from her health professional. And it's more than, well, my doctor told me to do it. She's finally at that place where I know that I need to do that. And she wants to do it before there is something critical that happens in her world where she doesn't have a choice about it. So mm -hmm. she's choosing to do that. And she has a really great support system at home, so that's all good. But just in conversation, she was talking about, oh, well, there's this big bowl of candy that I have out on my countertop. So we talked about that, and I was like, what is empowering you to have this bowl of candy there? And immediately it was like, well, oh, well, I'm not going to have it. But when I have people come over, everyone always looks for something, and this way they can kind of pick at the candy. So we discussed this, and I spoke about a change that I had done in my own household way back when, and I got rid of the candy, and instead, on my kitchen countertop, which I have to this day, I always have a bowl of fruit. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is that it's very hard for me to keep it full, because <laughs> as people come into the house, people are like grabbing the fruit. Mm -hmm. And loving the fact that maybe there are some fresh peaches or nectarines sitting out or apples and some oranges instead of having the candy. And it's what I present out there, what I put myself out there and saying, I'm living a healthier lifestyle. You can come into my house and you could choose to have a healthy piece of fruit or not have anything at all because I'm not having candy in my, right. my world. People tend to gravitate toward the healthier choices if they're given the option to do so. Well, and if, you know, I think the important thing is having it visible. So whether we have candy visible or we have fruit visible, we will grab whatever catches our eye when we're hungry or we need a nosh. So I think having that bowl of fruit as the visible thing is the first thing that people are going to reach for. And so it's just about setting up your environment in a little bit of a different way. Got it. I, I totally agree with you. And again, it comes back to, well, not that I have to do that. I, I, I have to change the bowl of candy because my coach was talking about the benefits of having fruit instead of candy. It's not sure that's something that you need to decide if you're wanting to change that environment in your mindset as far as what you want to present in your home or mm -hmm. not. It's up to you to make that decision. I'm not telling you what to do. Right. I can only give you suggestions if that's okay with you. And I always ask permission of my clients to give them a suggestion because it needs to come from within those choices. Again, bringing back in what we've talked about before, making changes instead of, you know, sustaining your behavior or your patterns. It's changing your behavior and your patterns, but that has to come from within and self in order to have those changes last. Mm -hmm. So I think in order to not be overwhelmed by thinking about that, we have to, you know, kind of focus our client on what's the first thing you can do or the easiest thing you can do right now. Like when you go home or when we get off our call, 
What's the first thing you can do to help move you toward your goal? What's the easiest thing? So for her, it it could be, oh, well, I'm going to get rid of the candy dish. And, you know, we have all of these food delivery apps, you know, fresh direct, whatever. If I can get to the grocery store, I'll have fresh direct, you know, deliver some fruit that I can keep that out. Well, yeah, you know, and that's, that's a big win. Just making that decision to make that change. That's what we call flipping of the switch. Um, Mm -hmm. Instead of doing one thing, you're doing something else. It doesn't mean that if you put the bowl of fruit out there, you're not going to have something in your home if a guest comes by and wants to grab something. Because, you know, look, our kitchens are our central communication facility for when Mm -hmm. we have people always congregate in the kitchen. I can tell you that... With all the holidays I've hosted, no matter what I have set up in the living room or the den or anything like that, where does everyone congregate? Everyone congregates in the kitchen. Right. So how do we set our kitchens up for health and wellness that supports our vision and our commitment to improving our lives? That's your choice. Right. And when I was a nanny, one of the kids that I had, we always had fruit snacks, those gummy fruit snack things. Yes. And if I would let him, he would blow through like four of them because he was hungry when he would get home. So I started to change what was the first thing that he saw coming in the house when we would get home or when, if we had to go to practice for something, I would make sure that I brought a piece of fruit or a half a sandwich or something like that so that he had something healthy that he could grab and eat while we're on our way. And at first he was a little resistant to the change, but then after a while it just became what we did. Right. And I think that's, that's kind of in our mindset. We resist change because we think, oh, it's going to be so hard and I don't want to do this and I can't do this. And this is so difficult. But at some point, if we just keep reframing that change from the have to, to the get to, or the want to, it becomes part of who we are. And we no longer miss that old thing. We no longer miss or would automatically choose the thing we used to. Well, that's because once you incorporate a change into your everyday lifestyle habit, it's not something that you have to consciously think about doing when it just becomes what you do. Right. But it's the beginning part that everyone gets a little discouraged and they fall off because change is difficult. You're trying to literally reroute neurons in your brain. And make a new pathway in your brain. And that only happens by continually choosing the new thing. So if you live out in the country, you know that if the roads are not paved and they're dirt roads, you know that there are sort of ruts and potholes that your car you drive on. And to avoid those, you have to consciously drive, not where everyone else is driving. And so it's like you getting yourself unstuck from the mud and going in the direction that you want, but choosing 
And eventually that new way will become just the natural for you. Absolutely. You know what, Tammy, I love this conversation. It's something that I feel is so important for changing mindset. And in part two today, stay with us. We're going to come back and embellish on this a little bit more. I also wanted to mention to our listeners to go to our website at coachmywellness.com. And if you're enjoying the conversations Tammy and I are having, uh, we will have our podcasts on there for you to review and to listen to at your leisure. And also join and subscribe our newsletter because we'll be sending out fabulous information like this to support you on your journey as you sail into the future. So hang on, stay with us, and we will be right back. Welcome to Coach My Wellness, a weekly show dedicated to bringing you information about healthy habits and behaviors just for the health of it. Here's your hosts, Joanne and Tammy. Welcome back to Coach My Wellness, just for the health of it. So Joanne and I have been talking about moving from the have to to the I choose to. And so I wanted to start this half with what do you, Joanne, what do you tell your clients or how do you work with them when they're avoiding something? So sometimes I'll say to them, Hey, what is it that you don't want me to ask you about? Or what, what do you not want to talk about? No, and I'll sort of slip it in there in not a serious way, but I'm trying to get them to see maybe something that they don't want to look at yet. Well, I think there are really two types of avoidance issues. Sometimes people use it for a positive. For example, um, I'm not going to have any snacks after dinner before I go to bed tonight. Mm-hmm. That's avoiding having the snacks before going to bed versus having something else about not even wanting to talk about the fact I don't want to talk about that I eat a lot of snacks before I go to bed. Right. So there are two ways that you can approach that. And so approach goals are those goals that are determined by thinking about positive outcomes where not having the snacks before bed will help me to be more in control of the amount of processed foods that I put into my body or the additional calories if I'm trying to reduce 500 calories a day. Having that big bowl of popcorn at night while I'm sitting and watching my evening movie is not in benefit to me. So thinking about that part of it and... Of course, the other thing is the avoidance goals, which are goals defined on avoiding negative negative outcomes. So it's really thinking about how to do that and how you get that out of a client as a coach. Because you could say to me, Joanne, what don't you want to talk about? Well, I really don't want to talk about... Uh, 
you know, being really hungry after dinner and what that has to do with could be that I just didn't set myself up properly for during the day. I didn't really eat well. And I don't want to really talk about that. And the truth is that it wasn't really that. It's that my coworkers came in and they were having a party and they had pizza. And, and I wanted to join in. They Right. They wanted to join in. And they didn't want to divulge that because here they're on this health and wellness journey. So it's really very interesting in trying to just listen really attentively to what my clients are saying to me so that I can pull out the things that are really not being said. Right. And I think sometimes mine will say, well, if I don't want to talk to you about it, I'm not going to tell you. And it's like, well, you know, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> we, we've we been working towards, you know, this goal, goal A, and you're really struggling to get there. So there has to be something that we're not talking about that's impacting that. And, and then they say, well, yeah, well, um, 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 and then it's like, okay, well, we'll leave that alone because I know at some point you're going to want to get to that goal. So what else can we talk about? What else can we move forward with? And eventually when they're feeling safe and know that you as their coach are on their side, you're in their corner, then I've found that then they'll tell me what's really going on. Then they'll tell me, well, you know, every time we have a celebration at work, they bring in pizza and they have chocolate cupcakes delivered from the best bakery in town. And I always want to have some. And I usually have more than what I think I do. So I've not been really losing and I've been sabotaging myself. And so that opens us up, though, to the next thing, which is asking, OK, well, let's talk a little bit more around that. But how is that serving you? How is that benefiting you? Yes, you get to have camaraderie shift with your coworkers, but how is that helping you get to your health goal? Well, first thing that comes along is you have to realize that you're avoiding. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the trick that sometimes we just put up these walls and excuses and it might not even be the conscious thought about, well, I don't want to tell you what I'm avoiding, but you are avoiding things. Right. Uh, and then, of course, making excuses. So it could be something such as, well, I know that I committed to exercising on my bike three days this week, but I really don't want to do it. I don't want to get sweaty. I don't like exercise and I don't really want to talk about it. And I don't want to tell my coach because then that seems like it's something that is wrong with me. This is what I hear all the time. And so they avoid talking about it and instead make up excuses mm -hmm. as to why they weren't able to get it done instead right. of acknowledging that it was truly avoidance. So the first part is really understanding why you're avoiding something, but you have to acknowledge that you are avoiding it. And of course, recognizing why you're doing that and taking small steps to counteract the negative thoughts about that. Uh, perhaps, well, maybe I didn't get on the bike, but what I did do was I went out and I walked 5,000 steps today. Mm -hmm. That could be something, finding a new way to relieve the stress or using some other coping techniques that you might have. But being able to communicate it 
look, a lot of people don't want to talk about the things they're avoiding because it puts them in a very vulnerable position. And many people feel throughout their lives that when they've been vulnerable, they have been judged. And mm -hmm. as a health coach, that's not something that I would ever do. I never judge anyone. There, It has nothing to do with me. It's all their journey and how they feel about themselves and breaking right. that down. And you, on the other hand, as a therapist, have more insight into that, don't you? Yeah, because having dealt with so many more people, but it's helping them to realize that change is scary, no matter what kind of change. You know, and they have to acknowledge that and and find their little, you know, David and Goliath moment because change, we know what comes after whatever we're doing now, right? We know if I gorge on popcorn after dinner, I know that I'm going to fall into a, a sleep or if I have a whole pint of ice cream, it's... I'm going to basically pass out from the sugar, but we don't know what's going to come. If I tell myself, no, we don't, I'm not really hungry and I'm just eating this because I'm bored. We don't know what's going to happen after that. Maybe I'm going to go to bed hungry. Maybe I'm going to go to bed and think, oh my God, I missed out on my nightly popcorn or I didn't have that thing that I really wanted. So one of the things that I'll also ask them in exploring this is what's the benefit of staying just where you are? So what are you gaining by not addressing this? Well, it's familiar. It's safe. I know what's going to happen. It's kind of like when you have a, a diabetic who continues to eat sugar, they know that they're, they're going to, it's going to drive their insulin up and they know how they're going to feel, but that's better than feeling the other way that they're not always sure. Like, you know, they know what it feels like to have high sugars. They don't like what it feels like to have low sugars. So they always are eating sugar to keep their insulin, you know, their insulin levels a little high. So even if I have a client at times, if I've asked that question about what they don't want to talk about, and then they don't want to talk about what they don't want to talk about, <laughs> there are, there are other ways that as a skilled coach, as you and I both are, that we can really observe behaviors and understand a little bit more about what someone might be avoiding. And that could be somebody who is now perhaps uh, very obviously having maybe some drug or alcohol use, mm -hmm. that there's been a shift. Or people talk about that wishful thinking or they're daydreaming a lot. Uh, people who don't ever talk about what their emotions are. And right. a lot of that has to do with part of through the pandemic and the isolation 
that everyone had experienced, there were a lot of issues, emotional issues that came up for mm-hmm. somebody. Um, if someone is avoiding eye contact with me when I am asking the question, I know that there's something that they're avoiding. Also, how about this one? Sometimes when I go to an event, it's quite obvious. An example I can give personally was I have a girlfriend who had put on a significant amount of weight throughout the pandemic, and she is very self-conscious about how she looks, things about people talking about her, and she chooses to avoid going to a lot of functions because she doesn't want to see people for all of those reasons. Mm -hmm. And I also know that even though she might say, oh, she's feeling better and she has a plan that she's focusing on, we were recently in an event together and I know she was literally there for 10 minutes and wound up leaving. Wow. And, And see, that's where if we can begin to address how does avoiding events serve her and what's the benefit of staying away and staying just as she is like once you can begin to explore that around the goal or the behavior that you're looking to change you know she can say well I'm not I don't feel good about myself and I've gained this weight and it allows me to continue to hide because then we can address well the more you hide the worse the problem is going to be right? We all know someone who's had a drug or alcohol problem and the more they avoid it, the more they hide it, the worse the problem gets until they look it in the face and can get treatment. So it's, it's all, you know, we're all looking to not be criticized, to not be judged. And, and a lot of times what we'll talk about is we're actually projecting our judgment about ourselves onto other people because they might not be thinking that at all about you. They may be saying, Oh my God, I'm so glad to see you. I haven't seen you in such a long time. And you're thinking, Oh my God, they're, they're judging me because I've, I've gained two sizes in clothes and I'm so much bigger than I used to be. Most people are not, you know, going to say that they're not going to look at that. They might think it, they might notice, but most people are going to be excited to see you again. Right. So think about the two ways that we can talk about a situation like that, you know, the approach versus the avoidance. And this comes back to what we've talked about in the past, which is mindset Mm -hmm. and having a different dialogue that goes into your head. So an approach of say going to an event or a party when you're feeling really kind of crummy about weight that you put on or how you look, which I hear about this 24-7, which is why I'm using this example. But it could be something like the approach could be, well, I'm going to either, I'm going to try to look good when I go to the party tonight. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I might get my hair done. I might put some makeup on. I might wear some flattering clothes instead of I will try to avoid looking fat. Right. That was directly, by the way, from a client of mine, and I hate using the word fat at all, but those were her words. That was a quote. So I bring that up because it's how you approach it. It's still going to the event, but either I'm going to try and look good tonight or I'm going to try avoid being looking fat. It could be, you know, the difference of say you're someone who's going to school. You know, I will try to get a good grade because I'm going to study for an exam that I have coming up, 
versus I will try to avoid getting a bad grade Mm -hmm. because I know that I'm going to fail the test. Right. And one sets you automatically up for failure and the other one sets you up to experience success. Look, avoidance goals work. And the thought about loss for many people is more motivating than the prospect of gain. I think because, you know, going back to mindset, because people don't often believe that they can gain and have the good thing because they're so used to having the negative thing, having the negative reinforcement. And so it's change is scary. We don't know what's going to be on the other side. What is that going to feel like if I actually accomplish that goal? And then will I be able to hold on to to that accomplishment? And will I, you know, how will that affect who I am? Maybe because we all have these internal beliefs about different things. So, you know, we may have an internal belief about really thin people being, you know, behaving in, in a certain way. Or we have a belief about poor people behaving or having a certain way or rich people acting a certain way. And all of those are unfounded because that's taking a blanket of generalities and putting it over everyone who fits into that category versus looking at each individual and getting to know that person and sort of And in that, it allows you to also get to know yourself. Well, a lot has to do, again, coming back to the approach that you take, whether it's a positive approach or it's avoidance. And when you focus on the positive, it's it's reflective in that. However, there is another side to this. And there's nothing wrong at times with the occasional focus on the negative if it actually helps you achieve something positive. So, for example, I had a client say to me that for most of her high school that it was avoidance that drove her to work hard because she didn't want to disappoint her parents. There was Mm. a lot of focus on that. So she studied a lot because it was important for her to achieve and to do well. And she knew that she would achieve much more than had she tried to focus on the positive because that Mm -hmm. wasn't motivating enough for her. So it's really thinking about the, you know, pros and the cons of approach or avoidance and what type of goal setting is really most beneficial for you in how you operate? And I think, you know, making that goal, your goal, making it internal goal versus an external goal. We talk about this all the time. Am I doing this because this is really what I want? Or am I doing this because this is what somebody else wants? And that's hard because we don't want to disappoint our parents. We don't want to not get that maybe family career. You know, maybe your father was a doctor, your mother's a lawyer, and you're becoming, you know, one of those because that's what they expected. Meanwhile, you want to be an artist. And so it's learning how in there to take that goal and doing the best that you can while also feeding in a good way 
the things that interest you. So maybe you become a doctor who paints in their time off or, you know, a lawyer who does pottery so that you're getting, you have this very high stress, but you have moments of mindfulness where you're able to reconnect with who you are, what you're doing this for, all of those things. And again, it comes back to the words we say to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if I would say to myself that I really want to lose weight so that I can look sexy, you know, that's an approach goal if you think about it, because it's going to leave me excited and feeling good about things. Where if I was to say something like, I want to lose weight in order to stop being so fat and ugly, if you have an avoidance goal and think about it, it's going to leave you feeling anxious and it's going to leave you feeling bad. It's not a good feeling because you're bringing up the negative part of it, which again is the labeling that you label yourself and that negative self-talk that we have. And, you know, when you feel anxious and bad about things, it can be a motivator, but I can tell you that when you get overstressed, that it doesn't necessarily make a, a difference, that it's a lot better when you're positive about what your goals really are and the way that you talk to yourself. So in, in thinking about that, you know, it really does come down to why do you, do you want to, to do something? So why do I want to lose weight? Well, I want, I don't want people to talk about me and I, and I'm tired of getting nasty looks, but I also want to feel a certain way. I want to feel like I have accomplished something. I want to feel like I've overcome and, you know, I can be sexy using the words that you use. I can be, you know, very attractive instead of, oh, look at you. You're just so ugly. You're so fat. It, it doesn't get you anywhere. When you think about that, think about it that way and you only use the negative monologue, it doesn't get you anywhere. It just gets you deeper in the hole. So look, it turns out that avoidance goals are typically less enjoyable and goals mm -hmm. for which we feel less capable and therefore, we tend to procrastinate more on that. So, you know, approach and avoidance goals can be distinguished by both the way that we talk about them and the motivation for engaging in them. So typically, when we define the more positively regarded approach goals as those things that we intend to do or keep, that puts out there acquiring a more positive state of affairs. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people will say, oh, well, yeah, this is not like positive psychology where you just do things and get all this good reinforcement. No, it's not. But you have to begin to give yourself some positive feedback so that you have something that helps move you forward in and toward the goal that you have. We have just live so much of our life in the negative view of things and being afraid. And when we are able to begin to think about if I wasn't afraid and, and this is on a card somewhere, if I wasn't afraid, what would I be doing? Right. No different than if there was no chance of failure 
what would you try to achieve? Exactly. So it's the same idea, but phrased in two different ways. One coming from a position of, I don't think I can do this. I haven't been able to accomplish anything. And the other one from the position of, hey, I've accomplished other things. I've done other things. What else can I do? Oh, that that's powerful. And look, avoidance motivation really describes people who are largely driven by the desire to avoid distressing problems and undesirable outcomes. And it's challenging at times when we do have so much of a negative mindset in how we speak to ourselves Mm -hmm. that it can be challenging to change and yet I know we spoke about this also that the way that one speaks to family members or friends when it comes to the same issue you might be talking to yourself about the dialogue is very different right because (laughs) because you you will encourage your friend right? That's, that's where self-compassion comes in. You will encourage them when they're feeling down. And I go back to what gives you the right to say those negative, harsh things about yourself. If you wouldn't say it to the people that you love. Well, I, I would say this, that in the conversations I've had with people that a lot of that could come up from things in their past the way Mm -hmm. that they were spoken to, the lack of support that they had way back when. So Mm -hmm. when they were struggling with issues, they really didn't have someone to encourage them, to support them. And that's the behavior that they've learned and that they've taken with them as they move forward in life. And not that as a coach, I mean, you would in therapy unravel that. That's not something in coaching I would unravel. Right. However, what I would like to unravel with my clients is talking about when they avoid things or they don't want to talk about things, that there might be something in their past that uh, they can relate to today, which might be affecting the behavior But my goal as a coach is to work with where they are now and work toward moving forward, not reliving and digging out the past. Correct. Understanding the situation for where it is and what we can do to change that dialogue to be more positive going forward. The out of my scope of practice would be uh, digging into what happened way back when. That would be something you're qualified to do. I am certainly not, but that doesn't mean that we both can't have successful outcomes with a particular client because it's always in the betterment of improving self-motivation, self-love, self-respect, and compassion, and having a coach to help them walk with them side by side as they're making significant changes in their life and acknowledging the challenges and celebrating the successes. Right. I think the best way to think about, or one way to think about the difference between coaching and therapy is coaching picks up where you are. Oh, I like that. Therapy will delve into what made you where, who you are, you know, so one is going in the past to figure out why do I behave this way? Why do I think this way? The other one says, acknowledges, okay, this is the way I'm thinking. This is the way I'm behaving. And now I want to change it. And I don't care why. I don't care why I'm doing those things because I can't live in the past. And that's where coaching comes in. And making sure that 
coaching stays in the present and moving forward. Therapy can do the same thing, can be in the present and move forward. But sometimes we need to dig a little to figure out the past to know how it's affecting today. So I'll use a personal example because this is what's coming to mind here. I'm studying in November. I'm going to be taking the national boards for the health and wellness coaches. And there is this part of me that has had this internal dialogue that says, wow, this is a lot of information. I'm struggling with retaining it. I don't know that I'm going to be able to pass this test. And if I don't pass this test, it's going to be so detrimental for my career because it's an important credential for me. And I don't know that I can do it. I'm like going to kind of read, but I don't really remember. I mean, I have this whole dialogue (laughs) that just goes on and on and on. And what I have learned is to say, stop. Mm -hmm. That's just stop it. By the way, total side note, for anyone who wants the best laugh in their lives, go on to YouTube and check out Bob Newhart's Just Stop It. It's three minutes of one of the most hysterical things in the world. But I think about that a lot and just say stop it. So I'm stopping those thoughts. And Mm -hmm. the other part is I've been coaching for 12 years. I am in tune with my craft. I study this information. I coach people. I know things. And if I have to figure out definitions, I can do that. I'm going to set up flashcards. I am going to be diligent. I am going to pass this test. Right. And I think the difference is, how do you think about it? So when you're thinking about, I'm going to do this, it gives you more oomph to actually believe in yourself to get it done. You know, and and knowing where you're at right now, acknowledging you've been coaching for 12 years already. You know this stuff. You're just learning, you know, how someone else has decided to structure it or put a definition around it or something like that. But you know this. You've been doing this. This is already in your skill set. You know, so it's instead of being fixated on what needs to change or what you can't do, it's celebrating and recognizing where you're already awesome. Right. So on a daily basis, I had a commitment and a goal in my process for this that I was going to be reading two hours a day. And I am living up to that commitment because that is what I had agreed to do, which I knew that if I put the work in, I'm going to have success. So it's having that positive mindset and keep coming back to that instead of, oh, I have to read today. I don't really want to do it. I'm not remembering it anyway. <laughs> so it's it's really how you look at it. And I feel really good about it um, as far as making those choices. But my point to everyone is there, no matter who you are, whether you're a coach like we are, with therapist as you are, that we are human and we have some of the same self-doubts that everybody else does. It's just having a little bit more information in our back pocket in order to have the tools in order to do something different. So we want to leave you with something very positive today. Keep focused, stay the course, and you can achieve whatever you set your mind to. We thank you so much for joining us today on Coach My Wellness, just for the health of it. Every Thursday evening, we have our Instagram lives at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Coach My Wellness underscore CMW. You can join us on Facebook at Coach My Wellness and also 
please again subscribe to our website coachmywellness.com and take advantage of our newsletter every single month and we look forward to continuing the conversation on this journey we call life and we will see you next time bye you've been listening to coach my wellness for more information about healthy habits and behaviors visit our website at coachmywellness.com and follow us on Instagram at coachmywellness underscore CMW for weekly live streams Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. We hope to see you there.